Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. Amen. They didn't give me special music to help me, you know, get up the steps. I'm, I need that nowadays. Doing all right? We finally had like a fall morning. It was uh, less than 80 degrees. Awesome, awesome. Well, so we're talking about purpose. We've been talking last week. We, we started this series uh, about purpose. Uh, we started a series on purpose. On purpose. We started a series on purpose on purpose. So uh, last week we talked about, you know, that God made you and how valuable you are, that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so that you could walk in them. So we talked last week about how you are God's handiwork, you're God's masterpiece. That's what that word workmanship means. It's uh, you're God's handiwork. So you're, you're rare, you're unique, uh, some would say weird, but that's, that's different. No, we're, God created us, and we're, we're like fingerprints. We're all special to God, and we're valuable. And we talked about that, how valuable you are to God, that Jesus died for us. That's the highest price that could be paid for our relationship with God was that Jesus gave his life as a ransom for us for salvation. And so this week we want to talk about the purpose of your purpose. We, we talked last week about your, you know, you were created and you were God's masterpiece, but what is, what's the purpose? What's the purpose that we were created to? So again, we're using this Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 verse, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So God's created us for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So God had a plan before that we would walk in these good works. So God created you for a purpose, but it's actually his purpose. He created you for his purpose. He didn't create you just to look good in the mirror. And uh, I was standing, I was standing uh, in the bathroom before the first service. I was washing my hands, which always do that, you know, wash your hands. And uh, looking in the mirror, and there was a young man next to me, and I noticed that he looked over at me. And I could, he was like, I was like, I said, I'm just looking at this old man. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised. You ever, are you surprised? Who, who is this guy uh, that keeps showing up in my mirror? Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you, you can't understand that yet when you're young, you know. Uh, but God created you not just to look good in the mirror and uh, not just to turn a lot of heads. Not, not, he, he didn't create you just to make a lot of money or just to make people laugh. He, he gave you gifts, abilities, special abilities. You have abilities that other people don't have. He gave you personality. Uh, he gave you strengths to fulfill your purpose, and your purpose is his purpose. You'll not fully realize how masterfully You've been made until you begin fulfilling your purpose. You won't understand his masterpiece work in you until you begin fulfilling your purpose because 
that's when you'll experience the fullness of who you are. You'll experience fullness when you're fulfilling his purpose in your life. You'll begin to feel like a masterpiece when you function like a masterpiece. The, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, I think is, I like the way it says this. It introduces this, fine, you know, we have this foundational need. People want to know, why am I here? What's, what's life all about? And this is so succinct, it's so well said. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So you think, how, how can we glorify God? Because we, we can't add anything to God. I mean, we come in here today and we praise and we worship God and it doesn't add anything to him. It was, he, wasn't, he wasn't lacking our praise. He wasn't lacking our worship. We do it because we, we're recognizing who he is. And we recognize his glory. The glory of God is it's like you took all of his attributes and made them knowable and visible. So when we... We're recognizing the attributes of God. So we can only recognize it. We can't create it. So we glorify, glorify God when we fulfill our intended purpose. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to the Father. I like the way that Jesus often prayed. Jesus often preached while he prayed. You know, because he had his disciples there. So a lot of times when he would pray... It gave him an opportunity to teach them about who God was. And so he's, he's praying. This is, uh, some of the, you know, this is some of the last prayers that Jesus prays before his crucifixion. And he says, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So Jesus accomplished the job, the work, the purpose that the Father had given him to do. So how, how did he glorify God? How did he glorify God? By doing the work that he was given. So how do we glorify God? We, we do the work that the Father has given us. Uh, we, give, we do what the, he's called us to do. We fulfill our purpose in him. We, the thing is, Jesus didn't have to figure it out because the Father told him. And in the same way, you don't have to figure it out. I mean, what's your purpose? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. No masterpiece ever paints itself or creates itself or it's the work of the master. And so we, as his masterpiece, we don't have to figure it out. We just have to work with what the creator has determined. Notice this. How, so how did God do this? Well, the Ephesians verse tells us we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, works which God prepared beforehand. God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. So God predetermined. So how does God do that? Well, in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9, he kind of gives us a, a picture of this. He says, remembering the former things long past, for I'm God and there's no, no other. I'm God, there's no one like me. 
That's when we talk about God being holy. This is one of the aspects of God's holiness. Is when a lot of times when we think of holy, we think of we think of something that's that's undefiled and uh, clean. But but holiness is really it's, it's reflecting who God is, and that there's no one else like God. He's he's wholly different. God is wholly different. There's no one else like God. Declaring the end from the beginning, because who else, who, who else knows the end from the beginning? Only God. And from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. So God says in his word, this is what's going to happen. This is an incredible thing that's unique about the Bible. Of all ancient books, what's unique about the Bible, that the Bible says, okay, in the future, this is what's going to happen. There's a Messiah is going to come, and this is how he's going to come. So it's prophetic. The, the Old Testament is prophetic in what is going to happen in the New Testament. It's, uh, it's how God works. God works from the end to the beginning because God knows the end. So he wrote the end it's, it's amazing to have a book that has the end in it. <laughs> we know how it's going to end. Isn't that incredible? We know how it's going to end because God knows the end from the beginning. And it's like a blueprint. Think about how blueprints work. I think we've got a picture of blueprints. So blueprints are incredible. With blueprints, you, you get with an architect or a designer, and, and they... They began to determine if you anybody ever built a house? I know Harold has. He's a home builder. So you, you get with a designer or or an architect and you begin to decide some things like what what do you want the house to look like? Is it gonna be traditional? Is it gonna be modern? Is it you know what what is the style of the house going to be? That's one of the one of the things you're gonna decide. You're gonna look at uh, how it's gonna fit on the lot. How many square feet is the house going to be, and what kind of clearances you have to have on both sides of the house, and all of that? And you're going to you're going to you're going to talk about how many bedrooms do you want to have, so that everybody can have a bedroom, and how many bathrooms are you going to have, and where, how you're going to you know where you're going to put the kitchen? How's the kitchen going to be located? And you see, you know, if things change over time. We're used to the kitchens were kind of enclosed and by themselves. Now the, we're in a big time where there's big these open spaces. Everything's open. The kitchen's, you know, in, is in the living room, and and so you're making all all these decisions. And you until you make until you know that and you have a plan, you don't start building. The builder doesn't just go out on the lot and and get a stack of two by fours and just start nailing stuff together. I mean, you can do that, but you're very limited in scope of, of, of what you're going to do. There, there's, a, there's a castle in Colorado, in southern Colorado, that this guy squatted on national park land, and he started building a castle, Bishop's Castle. And this guy is crazy as a bed bug. And he has built a house. And it's, it's, it's incredible, but it is 
a mess. It is scary. And people go and, you know, walk around it, and he takes money from them for walking around it, and, and he, he keeps building. He's still building. He's probably 90 years old. He's still building, but he built it out of his head, and it's, it's, it's a mess. It's, and it's incredible, but almost nothing is finished. It's all about 80%. You know, now you think about that. So, so God knows the end from the beginning. God created a blueprint of the end. He, he has a blueprint. He has a plan for you. So that's how God works. He's got a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. You, and so that's how you can see from the finished project, from the plans that aren't there anymore, you can see from the finished project, from the invisible plans, that what it's going to look like, you envision it. So after you have that, then you can call the concrete guy, the foundation guy. You say, hey, I got a set of plans. I need you to bid on the concrete. You call a plumber. I pointed to Mike Brewer. I don't know why, because he used to be a plumber. I don't know. You know, you call the plumber. You call the plumber and you get bids from plumbers. You get a couple of bids, find out, you know, what's it going to take. You, you, you call your framers and you call your, you call a brick company and you order the brick and you go and you, you agonize over what color brick it's going to be and what color mortar you're going to have and you figure out all that, how many thousands of brick you're going to have to have for the, for the job. Once you have the plan, you can begin the process, but it's hard to begin the process without a plan. God gives us a plan. God's got a plan for our life. Amen. And he's working that plan in us. You think about it. So, so he says, I've declared the end from the beginning. God has already determined your purpose to glorify God and then how he's going to play that out. And we see this in scripture all the time. You think about it. So God, God speaks to Abraham. And he says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven I'll give, I'll give your descendants all these lands, and by your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So right now, as we think about this, we need to remember Israel. Pray for Israel as they're being attacked by Hamas and attacked from many different directions. So we need to pray for Israel that they will persevere and the Lord will be with them and protect them, and he will be. So God gives this promise to Abraham, your descendants are going to be as the stars of the heaven, and you all shall, all the earth shall be blessed. So did it happen? Yeah, it happened. It happened miraculously, but Abraham and Sarah had to participate in it. Even though they were, they were not physically able to have children, they were past the point of childbearing age. That both Abraham and Sarah were too old to have children. They had passed that point. But God says, this is what I'm going to do. So they had to participate in the miracle. So God, it was miraculous, but they had to participate in the miracle. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Abraham and Sarah had to get busy. Right? I mean, they had to participate. And, 
And then God provided the miracle. God tells Moses. Moses is, you know, out in the desert. He's been out in the desert for 40 years. He's minding his father-in-law Jethro's herds. And he sees a burning bush that is not consumed. So, you know, burning bush catches your attention. You know, so he, he turns aside, and as he approaches the burning bush, the voice of the Lord, first couple of verses say it's an angel, and then it says the Lord, it's the angel of the Lord, uh, which is probably the pre-incarnate Christ. When we, when we see pictures of the Lord in the, in the Old Testament, they're pictures of Christ. And so he, he, he sees the fire. The voice comes out of the fire and speaks to him. First of all, it says, take off your shoes because this is holy ground. So he does that. And then, and then the, the Lord says, therefore, come now. And I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. So what did Moses say? No, I don't think so. Wait a minute. You just, you just saw this, this fire on this bush that's not consumed. And you heard the voice of God speaking to you. And he tells you, I want you to liberate my people. And his response is, uh, I, I, I don't think, listen to this. Then Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past, nor since you've spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. You think, he came up with that pretty quick. <laughs> And the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. So Moses, you know, Moses, he's like us. I mean, God gives him real clear direction, and he's like, eh. I don't feel very good about this. I don't like to talk in front of people. And God says, but I made your mouth. Trust me. It will work out. And here's the reality. Once he started talking, you couldn't shut him up. You see, you need to quit letting your feelings and your fears Determine your level of obedience to God. Did you get that? That's like tweetable, okay? I'm not, you don't need to tweet it, I'm just saying, but listen to it. You need to stop letting your fears and your feelings determine your obedience to God. Because we're, we're, letting, we're setting parameters and boundaries where God has set us free and we're living within the confines, we're letting the enemy determine 
our boundaries. Don't let the enemy determine your boundaries. God wants to determine your boundaries. But determine your boundaries, you're going to have to step out in obedience into his purpose. And it's often going to challenge your feelings. If your feelings and your fears are not being challenged, you're probably not listening to God. What's your purpose? Well, you don't have to figure it out. It's been figured out for you. God has a plan for you. He's before ordained good works that we should walk in them. It's, it's not yours to make. You just have to discover God's calling and purpose and destiny. What is it? Well, first of all, it's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Last night, I went to the grocery store. I ran home and put some food in the refrigerator to cook it for supper. But it, nothing happened. You know why? Because refrigerators don't cook food. You have to put food in the oven to cook it. Refrigerators are to cool and preserve food. If you try to do things, operate outside of their intended design, it just creates chaos and confusion. And a lot of times, a lot of you, you have chaos and confusion in your life because you're operating outside of God's design. God has a purpose. And your purpose is not just you. You know, don't you think we go through life thinking about, you know, these are my plans for my life? And God's like, oh, okay. What are my plans for your life? What are my plans for your life? You see, the first thing we should do is submit our plans to God and submit our lives to God and submit our purpose to God and say, Lord, I want your purpose because I know that your purpose will be the best purpose if I surrender. And then a lot of times it's going to be exactly what you want to do, but it's with God at the beginning point. So that you're, you know, if you're like a mirror, you're a policeman. Or if you're like Stephen, you're a school teacher. But you're doing it to the glory of God. You're doing it with the first purpose in mind. I'm doing all these things. You're a dental technician or you're creating dental work for people. Like Abel or, or you're teaching school or all the, the varied things that you're doing. The very bottom of it is I'm doing this to glorify God and enjoy him forever. My purpose is his purpose. It's not my purpose. And then God did it. God set the people free through Moses. It was miraculous, but Moses had to take steps to do it. He had to submit his will to God, say yes to God, then God enabled him, and he was able to do it. God often calls us out of our comfort zone. God called Paul. Think about how God called Paul. I, you know, so Paul is, is one of the most interesting characters of the Bible. He is a Jewish rabbi, and he, 
he is, from the very beginning days of the church, he is, as a Jewish rabbi, is fighting against the establishment of the church, and he is finding Christians and turning them over to the establishment so that they will persecute them. Some will lose their lives. Most of them will lose their property. They'll lose their positions. Uh, they'll be stripped of, of any kind of uh, prestige that they have in life. And so he's doing this, and he's done this all throughout Judea. And he's been so successful that now they've given him letters from the high priest, and he's going to Damascus, which is in Samaria, another region. You've got Jerusalem, then you've got Samaria on the other side of the Jordan River. You've got Samaria, so he's going to Samaria, and he's going to do the same kind of damage to the church. That's his plan that he's already done. So he wants to take people and turn them in, capture them, turn them over so that they will stop this church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is growing. These people that have, they're these Christ followers. And he's on the road to Damascus to do this, and he has an encounter with Jesus. You know what I mean? You know, it, it, it's kind of scary when the guy you don't believe in shows up. <laughs> you know, you know, you you don't believe in him, and you're trying, to, you're trying to destroy his work, and he shows up, and this is what the Lord says to him, verse 16, but get up, stand on your feet, for this purpose I've appeared to you, to appoint you as a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but to the things in which I will appear to you. You're not going to get the full picture now. You're going to have to just start off the journey, and I'm going to fill in the blanks. And that's how we walk with God. We walk by God by faith. Rescuing you from Jewish people and from Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So... God right off says, hey, Paul, uh, Rabbi, Paul, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. What do you think Paul felt about that? Think about that. I, I think he, he would have been very tempted to say, what? Wait a minute. You're, you're sending me where? You're sending me to the Gentiles? I hate Gentiles. Those dirty, false God worshipers, uncircumcised, unholy, ungodly, pagan worshiping, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that. That's, that's too much. That's beyond the pale. I am not doing that. You need to get somebody else. I mean, how, honestly, how do you think he felt about Gentiles? I, I'm pretty sure he hated them. But... <laughs> God didn't ask him how he felt. I heard Joyce, Joyce Meyer say a couple of weeks ago at conference, she's 80 years old and still a, a powerhouse. And she said a lot of times people say to her, she's still traveling the world and doing ministry all around the world. People say to her at 80 years old, how do you feel about traveling? And she said, I don't think how I feel about it even comes into play. It's, see, it's too often we're letting our fears and our feelings determine our obedience. We're letting our fears and our feelings determine our boundaries. 
We've let the enemy determine our boundaries. So, so he's, Paul, Paul says, yeah, I'm sure you know, he wants to argue with God, and, but instead he did it. And we would say, and the rest is history. God used him powerfully. He went to the Gentiles. You know what? I don't know if he loved them on the day he was called, but he sure did on the day he died. Because one thing God is good at is changing your heart. I mean, he's in the heart-changing business. And when you say yes to him, there's things that he could do that you wouldn't even imagine. <laughs> I love it. When Jesus makes all, all he, you know, when he's in his hometown and he said, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He said, you know, and then they're like, wow, is this Joseph's son? And, and then he says, no doubt you'll quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. And then he goes on to tell them, hey, listen, you know, there were, there were people in Samaria that didn't have faith. There were people in Elijah's day didn't have faith. God healed them. Basically what he said to them, listen, I just want y'all to get ready. I'm going to show the love of God to people you don't even like. And that's what he does. That's his purpose. He said, he said, he said, I don't care how you feel about the Gentiles. This is what I want you to do. And he served them and God used him powerfully. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has a plan. Your destiny already exists. It's already been established to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who is working you both to will and to work his good pleasure. Have you ever, uh, you know, late, lately, because it seems like this is a problem in a lot of places, you go, to a, you go to a place of business and you can't get any service. Have you noticed that? Restaurants, particularly different places, you know, you, there's tables that need to be, there's no place to sit because nobody's bust the tables. The trash cans are overflowing. There's no place to put, you can't, you would bust the tables but there's no place to put the trash because the trash cans are full. And then when you go to order, it's like the staff is rude. You know, like you can go to In-N-Out, and sometimes you'll encounter somebody that's really upset. And, uh, <laughs> or anywhere, not really In-N-Out. I was just, I was, I was picking on Valentina. <laughs> so, but it, you, you can't get service. And you think, who's in charge around here? What's, where's the boss? Who's in charge? We need somebody that, to come around here and get this in order. The reality is, sometimes our lives are in such chaos and such confusion because the wrong person's in charge. If you, want to, if you want to get rid of the chaos, if you want to get rid of the confusion, you need to submit your life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Does that mean your problems are going to go away? Absolutely not. You're still going to have problems. Anybody in here got problems? Anybody else got problems? Still got problems. Don't point at the person next to you. <laughs> it's accurate. I understand. It's accurate, but don't Who's in charge? 
Is it your own purpose or is it God's purpose for your life? Is it your feelings? Are your feelings determining your level of obedience? Are your fears determining your level of obedience? Or have you surrendered and said yes to God? Now, here's what I've learned about walking with God. It's a walk. You know how many times I have to surrender to God? Every day. Because I'm stubborn. I'm self. Don't agree so readily. <laughs> He's just talking about himself. Yeah. Well, then keep it to yourself, buddy. <laughs> I'm strong-willed. I'm selfish. You are too. We all are. And so I, I have to very frequently, Jesus, you're Lord, and I'm not. I want your will for my life. I want your purpose for my life. I want your destiny for my life. I know you've already got a plan. You've got a plan for me, and you want me to walk in that. And you walk in that today. And it doesn't mean that, that to walk in God's plan, you all are preachers. It means you walk in God's plan where you are. You walk in God's purpose. He's called you where you are to fulfill his purpose in that place. To demonstrate the work of God in your life so that in such a way, if you fulfill his purpose in that place, there will be people around you that will say, what is the reason for the hope that's in you? Why are, what's going on with you? You seem to have joy in the midst of cancer. How is that possible? You seem to have joy in the midst of problems with your teenagers. How is that possible? How is it possible? It's only possible in God. And so you get to say, let me tell you what a mess I am, but let me tell you how good God is. And so we get to declare his purpose. Your purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the beginning point. And then we're going to talk about how God wants to use you where you are. Amen. So let's stand. i got to go. 12.02. Burning daylight. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? I want you to just think about this. Are you letting your fears determine your level of obedience? Have you said no to God? And in saying no to God, you've missed the blessings of obedience in your life that flow from the yes. Yes, Lord, I want your perfect will in my life. I say yes to you, Lord. Have you let your feelings determine your response to God? As followers of Christ, we're saying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. You showed us the way. You showed us the way to submit our will to you. And so, Father, I submit my will to you today. Not my will, but yours be done. Your purpose be fulfilled in me. My first job is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Lord, help me to glorify you with my life. And enjoy it. It's not dead, dry religion. It's this 
glorious relationship. You call me to know you and be used by you. And that's incredible. So Lord, I pray you would help us to find that, find our purpose in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be at the front here if anybody needs prayer, you need to talk about anything. You want to give your heart to the Lord today? Today's a good day to do that. I love you. Have a great week. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.